Hey, good morning. It is uh, seven minutes after 10 o'clock, and about one hour from now, I'm, I've got a question about this. I'm going to play a little bit of this. This is a five-year-old. This is an older video, so it didn't just happen this week or something. But this five-year-old is sitting in front of a piano, and this is what he's doing. years old. I got a question about that. An hour from now, we'll get into that question. <clears throat> See what you think, because uh, I think it's fascinating. In the meantime, I'm pleased to tell you that David Stokes is on with us. He's the director of municipal policy over at the Show Me Institute. Renewed calls for St. Louis County to establish a land bank. Let's find out about this. They did this uh, apparently uh, earlier this year in Springfield. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk about a surtax. Uh, but let's let's start off with what is a land bank to be used for, Dave? Hey, Gary. Great to be on the air with you. Hey, I just got to say, back when I was five years old, I played a mean version on the recorder. Like, that was, <laughs> that, that was something. I wish I had a video of it for you. Hey, a land bank, i tell you what, that is the last thing Missouri counties need. Uh, there's an effort to put one in St. Louis County. But according to the news stories on it, it's not going to stop in St. Louis County as bad enough as that would be. A land bank is sort of a hyped-up version of the land trust that every county has. A, a land trust is where if you don't pay your property taxes for three years, it goes to control of the county, and they auction it off for the, for the back taxes. And it's a process that every, every county has. A land bank currently just exists in the city of St. Louis, Kansas City and a new one in St. Joseph, and that under the guise of helping people acquire decrepit property, you know, tax delinquent property, land banks allow the city to go out and acquire property proactively, uh, sort of, and then sort of bunch it all together and and offer it to developers in like bulk sales and and that, or or, or small sales. And you know what? In theory. It doesn't sound so bad, the idea that you proactively acquire uh, property in bad shape and help to rehabilitate it, but the evidence is overwhelming that they fail. They just don't succeed, and that's what's so frustrating about these efforts in prior years to put one in Springfield and other cities and the current effort to, to take land banks to, to counties around the state. We don't need them. They don't work. The Shoming Institute investigated St. Louis City's land bank for years, and what they're really good at is, I mean, it's a typical bureaucracy. They're actually not interested in acquiring property, getting rid of it, and costing themselves a job. They're interested in acquiring property and holding on to it for a long period of time. They keep land, they reject so many offers in St. Louis and Kansas City, it's infuriating, all under the guise of, well, we need to wait for a big development. Well, that big development rarely happens. And you don't have to take the Show Me Institute's word for it. The Kansas City Star did a great investigation of the Kansas City Land Bank a little about a year and a half ago. And it showed how what a terrible job it does. Empowering the government to have more of a say in private property is a bad idea. The history shows this doesn't work. And I would hope that around the state, people would get exercised about this and, and reach out and let people know that we don't need or want 
these sort of hyper-powered land trusts on steroids and putting land banks in every county. It's a terrible idea. So you go into a neighborhood that has vacant properties, uh, tax delinquent, uh, in disrepair, and you take over the land, and the idea is that you're going to turn this around, sell it to somebody who's going to fix it up and make it valuable, but they don't do that because they're looking for one big developer to buy it all? Is that... Yeah, that's that's essentially it. That is that is it. There's more than just that problem, but that's a nice summary of it. That's what the Kansas City Star explained. That's what our work in St. Louis showed, that they reject so many offers. Any Like when a neighbor goes in and hears that, they, the, that neighboring house is owned by the land bank and tries to buy it to expand their yard for their kids, they often get rejected. Uh, there are small entrepreneurs who just try to do small little expansion. And that's how, that's how our economy really grows. You know, one entrepreneur, one savings, one investor at a, at a time. This idea that, but the government, the land banks are consistently rejecting those properties uh, because they want one big deal. Or even worse, they want to hold it for people with political connections. That's and we've insane. Seen that in, That's in, insane. We've seen it in Kansas City and in St. Louis. There's, there was an alderman. There were several aldermen in the city of St. Louis arrested a few months back and indicted, and they pled guilty, uh, uh, mostly pled guilty. And one of the things they were indicted for was bribery relating to the land bank property. So this is this is a terrible idea that they w- we would expand this further around the state. And I hope people I hope people are listening to this. This is the last thing Boone County or Greene County or Camden County or Laclede County or any county needs. It's a terrible idea that needs to be stopped. You know, in uh, my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, the Lower West Side uh, had uh, very old homes that were in disrepair, uh, and people started going in with no land bank. They just bought those homes and started rebuilding them. It's now a really tony area of the city to live in, and the value of those real estates uh, of that real estate has soared. Uh, and this all started in the 1980s. If they could do that without a land bank, I'm sure St. Louis, Kansas City, Springfield, et al. could also do it without a land bank. Uh, Very quickly, uh, because I've only got a couple of minutes left, literally, I think I have three minutes. Tell me about the surtax. Well, in the clean, the the surtax, speaking of property taxes, and in the case of the land bank, not paying them, uh, but the surtax is a tax that every county has. It varies by county. And it, some have it really low, like Camden County, and some have it really high, like St. Louis and Kansas City, which is Jackson County and Clay County. One county in your in your listing area that has a really high surtax is Laclede County. That's the main. That's the county that Lebanon is the main city in there in South Central Missouri, and their leadership put on the ballot for November, so just three weeks away, uh, a reduction in the surtax. It's a it's a strange property tax. It doesn't roll back as assessments increase, and assessments, commercial assessments have increased dramatically in Laclede County and everywhere else since it was instituted. But it doesn't roll back, so commercial property owners keep getting walloped as their assessments rise. Laclede County has a very high rate because it's so hard to change it. Elected officials can't just lower it. It can only be lowered by a vote of the people. And I think it's great that the, that the commissioners in Laclede County put this on the ballot to cut their rate from a dollar three 
per hundred dollars of assessed valuation down to 51 cents per hundred. They're not eliminating it. It's still going to raise substantial taxes for the schools, the cities, and the libraries of Laclede County. But they have one of the highest rates in the state. They have by far the highest in their area. And they're just trying to make their county a little more competitive for for businesses in their region. And I think this is a great idea. It's not a special tax deal for one business or for a small number of businesses. Those are the type of things, Gary, we talk all the time about what bad policy that is. This is a general property tax cut for all the businesses, big and small, in Laclede County and Lebanon. And I think this is a great idea. Uh, And I assume that the uh, schools are opposed to it. They are. They are. Even though even though the, the, the main Laclede County School District isn't getting a very large tax reduction from it. They're estimating about 275000 and they're by far the largest entity in, this, in the county with getting a reduction. I'll tell you, though, they're getting more than that from the increase in personal property taxes this year as used car values have skyrocketed, and that's another tax rate that doesn't roll back as assessed valuation. I hate that personal so, property tax. I, I work so hard to absolutely. try and get rid of it. All right, David, absolutely. I'm, I'm so clean out of time. a great idea in the Cleek County. All right, thanks, David. Glad to have you on uh, the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, Brian, Laclede County, is that our Springfield affiliate? I believe so, yes. Okay. I know uh, so Green County is uh, Springfield. Well, I'm not sure which station uh, covers that uh, that area, but hopefully they will uh, take that into consideration. Uh, many thanks to Dave uh, for coming on board to explain all that. We've got to take a quick break, and then Mark Lauder is going to be with us, uh, Chief Communications Officer at America First Policy Institute. He's a former Trump campaign uh, was uh, former uh, formerly with the Trump campaign administration. He's going to chat a little bit about the economy and polling. Look forward to having Mark back on the program. The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 1020. Glad to have you with us. We are going to uh, have a conversation in a few minutes uh, with Ron Calzone, Mo First. Um, he wants to talk about the CDC's advisory committee on immunization practices uh, adding a COVID vaccine to the free vaccine for children program and a little bit more about that. Uh, then we've got a, a candidate running for office and a question about a kid that's playing the piano at the age of five. Uh, and then uh, Dave Rowland uh, is going to be with us as well. But first, Mark Lauder. Mark, uh, welcome to the program. Glad to have you with us. Uh, so go ahead. It, yeah, it's great to be back, Gary. Uh, so the... <laughs> The Biden campaign. Uh, the, the Democrats really do baffle me. Uh, I, I was listening to the uh, Democratic candidate uh, for governor down in Georgia talking about how uh, we've got to have abortion because the price of gas is too high. I hope my eyes almost popped out of my head. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, it's really amazing when you when you hear them on the campaign trail. You know, they're they're just they're scrambling at, at every level and every race across the country because. The issues that matter most to the American people, which right now, by far and away, I mean, it's the economy, it's gas prices, grocery prices, none of, you know, securing the border, lowering crime, but none of those issues are they favored in. Yeah. You know, the American people could see the results that have come from, you know, the left leading every, every level of government. They don't like it. And so the only thing they can try to do is try to change the subject. Uh, in hopes that they can, uh, you know, do something to bring out their their radical base. The uh, unemployment numbers um, 
they haven't uh, they haven't uh, changed very much. Uh, and everybody in the administration says, well, that's the barometer of a strong economy, and we're doing just fine. Uh, what do you see? What do you, what, what's in the crystal ball? What do you see? Yeah, the, the problem is, is that the crystal ball that they're using is the one from the last 20 years, and we're actually in an economic dynamic that we haven't seen since the 1970s and early 80s. It's, this is not, and, and trust me, I mean, I, I've spent, as you know, Gary, I've spent, you know, 20 years plus in, in, in politics, and much of our discussion about the economy was always centered on the unemployment rate. Uh, well, that's not where we are right now because, you know, we hadn't talked about inflation since the days of Jimmy Carter and, and the early days of Ronald Reagan. That's where we are right now. And the American people aren't necessarily focused on the number that is the unemployment rate. They're looking at the number on the gas pump when they finish filling the tank or, you know, what the, what the cash register rings up to when they're at the grocery store and they don't like what they see. And so they're not paying attention to, you know, they're operating under a playbook, the Democrats, of, of it's all about the unemployment rate when the American people are going, no, it's all about the price at the, at the gas station, at the grocery store, the fact that I can't afford to possibly, I mean, I think I saw a survey that said 80% of the American people are going to be cutting back on spending this holiday season because they can't afford the basics. I went that's into what, the- That's what's moderate, that's what's, you know, motivating people right now. Yeah, I I remember going to the grocery store and spending seventy dollars, and the trunk was full. Now it fits in the floor console. It, it's it, it's it, the price of food is through the roof. Uh, gasoline is still high. Uh, I think these are all issues that uh, voters really care about, uh, and I don't see the Democrats really addressing it. They talk like they're you know this is a concern. What should what would the Republicans do? Uh, under this environment in, in, in the economy? Well, I mean, first and foremost, and it, and it is the largest driver right now, is is energy prices. And, you know, yeah, we like to think about it just as the cost at the, at the gas pump, which is, it, which is true, and it's very real. But we need to rebuild Indi- America's energy independence and, and, in fact, dominance, which we had a couple of years ago, because everything, everything stems from it. You know, every product that ends up at the Walmart or on the store shelves probably trucked in using fuel. It's being shipped overseas or from wherever it was manufactured, which uses fuel. You know, everything so, and, and it's driving up the cost of manufacturing. It's driving up the cost at the at the grocery store or at the corner market, and it's driving up the cost at the. At, so the quickest thing that we can do is bring back, bring back America's energy independence. I mean, I think we're down about 1.3, 1.5 million barrels of oil per day. We are producing less today than we were back uh, in, the, in, in the Trump years. Well, you know, right now they're begging Saudi Arabia, begging Venezuela for it. We need to bring back America's energy independence. And if we do that, that will obviously lower prices, lower prices for manufacturing, and start to bring down prices not only at the pump, but in every other area of the market. I mean, nothing gets to the, from the farm, you know, to the grocery store unless it's riding on a truck. You, without even, uh, you can't even get the, the produce out of the ground without carbon fuels. You, 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 the tractors right. the, uh, and, the, and the like. Mark Lauder is our guest, Chief Communications Officer at America First Policy Institute. Tell me about America First Policy Institute. So we're basically the, we're basically, you know, we've been described as the Trump cabinet in waiting or in exile. Um, but when the, obviously the administration was leaving uh, in early January 2021 and late, you know, after in, in December of 2020, it, 
Brooke Rollins, who was the head of the Domestic Policy Council, the great Larry Kudlow, which you see obviously on Fox News, who was the National Economic Advisor, Linda McMahon, who was the Small Business Administrator, they all got together and said, we can't just let all of this intellectual talent, the people who are in the White House, in the administration day to day, just scatter to the winds. Because uh, it won't do anyone any good. We've got to prepare the ground to bring everything back. And not just for Trump, but for whoever's running at the state level, at the national level, and eventually at the White House level. And so took all that capital. We have eight cabinet-level secretaries in the Trump administration, 20 White House senior staffers, 50 administration senior officials from every agency, every department. And basically, we're laying the groundwork for America first to return, whether that is under a Donald Trump, whether it is under another candidate, whoever gets the nomination. I mean, that, that'll be up for the voters to decide. But the one thing I can guarantee you, and we're going to see it now here in 19 days or so, is that America wants the America first leadership back. They want those low gas prices, that, clo- that secure national border, the support for the police, all of those things that we saw. And so we're working not only at the congressional level during these midterms and at the state level where we see governors and and state lawmakers uh, who are having a real impact on on their communities. And then that will set the stage for when we get into the 2024 cycle that whomever comes out victorious, and I believe whoever that person is, they will be victorious. If they're running on those Trump policies, we'll have all those policies. We'll have the people who are in the administration in the White House, you know, in those agencies, all ready to go with a roadmap and a blueprint of here's what you need to do, here are the positions you need to fill, here are the resumes you need to fill them with, and here are the policies we've got to do to quickly get America back on track. All right, uh, final question here as we're uh, fast running out of time. Mark Lauder with us again. Uh, He is the Chief Communications Officer at America First Policy Institute uh, and was with the uh, Trump campaign and administration. Uh, have you spoken with President Trump recently? Uh, I've not spoken with him recently. He's spoken at a couple of our events. Uh, we had we had a Hispanic leadership event in Miami about two weeks ago, and then he headlined a uh, policy speech here in D.C. back last summer where we started to lay out the policy, which is called the America First Agenda. It's also now obviously also referred to as the commitment to America on the House side. Um, but he's spoken to us a couple of times here recently. We'll be back, I think, next month with him again at Mar-a-Lago. Um, you know, he's fighting. He's fighting out there every day, and we're ready to go. What does your gut tell you? Is he going to throw his hat in the ring, or is he just going to go out and promote good candidates? Uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, obviously, I mean, I think all the things that he seems to be saying indicate that he's, you know, that he's likely to run again. Um, I, you know, obviously, there could be anything between now and then that, that you know, could could impact that. But, you know, the one thing I can say is whether it's Donald Trump, whether there's a number of candidates out there, I can guarantee you they're going to be running on his policies, Uh, whether he's running, not running, you know, or how that primary kind of shapes out. uh, The one thing I think we can all agree on is that the policies work. He'll run on whoever is going to do it is going to run on them. And then uh, and then we'll take that battle right at the radical left. Mark Lauder, thank you for being with us again today. Glad to have you on. Always good to be with you, Gary. All right, Mark, take care. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Dave Rowland is going to be with us in the final hour of the program. Uh, And uh, he says yesterday the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled, essentially, that the U.S. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, read Squaw Warren's baby, is being funded in an unconstitutional manner. 
and their implications about the regulations. That'll be in the final hour of the Gary Nolan Show. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It's Think Tank Thursday. Glad to have you with us. It's 35 minutes after 10 o'clock. And uh, let me tell you what's coming up. Dave Rowland is going to be with us. He says the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled, essentially, that the U.S. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is being funded in an unconstitutional manner. And that brings into question the regulations. You'll remember the uh, CFPB as Squaw Warren's little baby. So we'll find out what uh, he sees in that. Then uh, we've got uh, about 10 minutes from now, maybe 12 minutes or so, Robert Smith is going to be with us. He's a a candidate for state representative uh, in uh, 125, and he is a libertarian. But right now, Ron Cazzone. Cazzone. Yeah. Uh, And he uh, wants to chat a little bit about the CDC, one of his favorite organizations. I know he loves the CDC for all the good work they do. Ron, welcome. How are you? Absolutely. I love the CDC. And Anthony <laughs> Fauci, you know, is is my all-time hero. <laughs> I, you know, I have I have Anthony Fauci undershirts, you know, that, uh, not really. That's the Italian fact, thing. It's uh, Fauci, it, it, Calzone, hey, hey. Yeah, I guess I hadn't considered that connection. I, I don't know. But, you know, speaking of that, uh, not to digress, actually, it's on topic. Um, there's a new documentary out that's free for the viewing for the next maybe eight or nine days. And it's all about Anthony Fauci. And if you want to see it, you can go to the real Anthony Fauci movie.com. The real Anthony, spelled it all out, no spaces, Anthony Fauci movie.com. And you will be surprised just how bad, uh, how corrupt this whole process is for for developing and recommending the pharmaceuticals that uh, you and I, uh, well, actually, maybe you, but not I, because I don't use a lot of pharmaceuticals, use every day, and, and including and especially vaccines. And, and so yesterday and today, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the ACIP, uh, they are... Uh, part of the Center of Disease, uh, Center for Disease and Control and Prevention, the CDC, they're meeting and they're discussing various issues relating to vaccines, including the COVID vaccine and including the childhood vaccine schedule. And at 1.30 today, they are scheduled to vote on whether or not to add the COVID-19 vaccine to the recommended childhood vaccine schedule, recommended particularly for school attendance. Now, this is the, the schedule that states like Missouri and, and virtually every state uses to establish their mandated vaccines. So the CDC doesn't mandate vaccines themselves, although Fauci has, you know, they, they pushed uh, some of that with respect to COVID, but the childhood vaccines for schools, the CDC doesn't mandate them themselves, but they provide the framework and the schedule that states use to mandate those vaccines. And uh, so if you go to, I'm going to give you another website. Don't you hate it when guests give website? Well, it's, yeah. not, a, it's not a problem for me because I'm at my desk and I've got a, a you know, pen and, and paper. Uh, but if they're yeah, so, listening so, in the car, 
Yeah, if it's if uh, if you went to GaryNolan.com and put a link there, then is that something that people can go to later and look at? They could, or you could go to MoFirst.org. Yeah, yep, we could do that too. I have, don't have it up there yet, but uh, so anyway, if you go to CDC.gov/vaccines/ACIP then you can actually watch these proceedings on a webcast link. So if you want to see what they're going to do at 1.30 when they do cast this vote, that's the way to access that link. And, uh, and so why is that problematic? Why should anybody in Missouri care? Well, they should care because our Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services, remember them? You know, those are the ones that uh, a Cole County judge said was violating your constitutional rights and breaking other laws with all of the COVID shutdowns and all of the COVID mandates in 2020 and 2021, the ones that were breaking the law left and right, the ones that have been uh, issuing emergency orders uh, illegally, violating the statutory framework for issuing those illegal orders, well, they are the ones that can unilaterally, without any kind of legislative oversight, mandate new vaccines for your kids or your grandkids or my grandkids. Actually, not my grandkids, because they all live in Arkansas. But um, that's what's concerning about this. Well, a lot of states ignore that. A lot of states ignore that. Florida, for instance, has just uh, reported, they don't care what the CDC says, they're not mandating this. Yep, Um, and and that's what Missouri should do, too. I I don't disagree. Uh, I don't think... uh, go Go ahead. No, you go ahead. So, so there was a, a bill last session. It was um, sponsored by Representative Susie Pollack, who's who's now termed out. So, she, so as of uh, end of this year, she'll be out of the House. She had a bill called House Bill 2009, and that bill was going to create legislative oversight for the mandating of new childhood vaccines. So, had that bill not been blocked by the floor leader Dean Plocker, uh, then and it passed the House, the Senate then uh, that would mean that in order for the Department of Health, the Missouri Department of Health, to mandate new vaccines, they'd have to get approval from the General Assembly, from your representatives and my representatives. And that was blocked. That bill's actually been around for 20 years. Sarah Steelman uh, originally sponsored that bill literally 20 years ago. And, um, and it's such common sense, but the big pharma lobby is so powerful. Just like you'll find out, if you watch the real Anthony Fauci movie at therealanthonyfaucimovie.com, uh, you'll find out just how corrupt this whole process is, recommending vaccines, uh, how you've got people that sit on these boards that recommend vaccines that profit from the vaccines that they recommend and end up being mandated. Wow, that's a little crony capitalism. Did you see where the court has ordered the CDC to release data uh, about 18 million vaccine injuries in America? I did see that. I did see that. And that's what's so incredible. They, they did vote, um, the ACIP did vote yesterday to include the COVID vaccine and the free vaccines for children schedule. And so now, even in spite of the fact that you've got all of this data that's coming out about how the COVID vaccine has injured so many people, I've, I read just this morning that in, uh, I've forgotten what European country, but uh, one of the uh, you know, might have been might have been England. I'm not sure. Uh, there were like 63,000 people who died within seven weeks of getting their COVID vaccine, 
And I don't know how many people normally die every six or seven weeks, but, you know, that seems like it ought to be at least raise some questions. And there's more data like that coming out every day about the efficacy and the safety of the COVID vaccine. And for them to even consider pushing it by making it free for children or even consider adding it to the mandated, you know, the recommended mandated vaccine list um, is just incredible to me. Well, we shall see how this unfolds. Uh, MoFirst.org, Ron Calzone. You want to know what's going on uh, in Jeff City? MoFirst.org. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you get your work done uh, when you spend all that time following the machinations of the Capitol. But somehow you, you know, do. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one of the ways I do that. I've got to. I've got to say this because I have some great employees in my business that manage to keep things going even when either I'm not here or I'm here without giving my business my full attention. So, and, and a great wife that keeps the home fires burning. So I have a tremendous support team that deserve a lot of accolades. Well, you just gave plus, them. Yeah, plus, plus there, I mean, literally, there are literally thousands of citizens that, uh, that collaborate with me that, uh, that help making phone calls and they go to the Capitol. I mean, we have, we have an army of thousands of citizen activists, none of whom get paid, all of whom just care about liberty and and they fight for your freedom every day. It's not just me. There's a pile of us out there. All right. Ron Calzone, MoFirst.org. Thank you for being with us. Have a great day. All right, you too. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Now, uh, coming up, we have a libertarian candidate. Now, I understand that he was on last week, or at least I think he was, uh, but it is Robert Smith. He's going to be with us in just a few minutes. On the Gary Nolan Show, on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 55 50 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Uh, coming up, Dave Rowland is going to be with us. The Consumer Finance Protection Board, uh, an interesting ruling by the courts, among other things. And uh, in the next segment of the program, right at the top of the hour, I'm going to ask about this. This is a five-year-old boy sitting down in front of a piano, and here's what he does. Well... talk about that uh, in the uh, next segment of the program. Right now, Libertarian Robert Smith is with us, uh, candidate uh, for uh, the State House here in Missouri. Robert, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I, too, am well. How's the campaign going? Oh, it's going great. Uh, everybody loves the idea of liberty and freedom everywhere I go, so we've been getting great responses. We've been getting a lot of grassroots donations. Um, signs are going up, ads are rolling out, and uh, it's just an amazing experience in District 125. And what uh, what cities, uh, you know, what, what where does that cover? What does that cover? District 125 is all of Vernon County, the northern part of Cedar County. It's almost cut directly in half just above uh, Stockton Lake. And then it covers uh, three-quarters of Bates County, everything south of the Passaic exit, if you were to draw an imaginary east-to-west line from the Passaic exit, everything south of that in Bates County is in uh, is now the new redistrict 125. Do you have a Democrat opponent? No, sir. I'm just in a, a two-way race. Just a two-way race. 
So the yes, people sir. in the district in 125 can actually vote for you and uh, and not say, oh, geez, uh, I'm going to let the other side in. You're 100% accurate on that one. And that's, that's a really great uh, point. And that's something that really makes me excited is this is a great social experiment going on in District 125 right now. And that's why it's important to uh, anybody who wants to support the campaign to come out and put um, a good full fourth effort into it. Because in District 125, you get to vote for the candidate that you want. You get to vote for the candidate that's most qualified. You get to vote for the candidate that has the best ideas, that's the most articulate. You get to vote for the best statesman in your own, in your own eyes. And uh, I really... You know, everybody keeps pushing freedom and liberty and personal uh, liberties, and uh, it's an ex- it's exciting time to see how District 125 is going to vote. Robert, why would anybody vote for you? That's a perfect question. Um, I have the qualifications and the education. I have over 10 years of constitutional knowledge. I've been traveling the country for five years giving speeches on our personal liberties, the Constitution, government overreach and, and waste, and how we kind of fight those things, how we protect ourselves. I've been uh, going to Jefferson City and advocating our legislators, uh, testifying against bad legislation, promoting and pushing good liberty-loving legislation. I've actually changed legislators' minds. I educate them on the Missouri Constitution, and um, I'm the candidate that is most qualified to go to Jefferson City to secure our personal liberties. All right, so if voters vote for you and you actually prevail... And I think you've got a very good chance. You sound articulate, intelligent. You you got just one opponent. I don't see how uh, how things could get much better. What would you hope to accomplish? Well, we got um, three big things. For one, I want to eliminate more taxes, and two, I want to push uh, sound money in Missouri. We want to promote and push a voluntary gold and silver commodity currency that allows the constituents of Missouri to partake in an economic exchange outside of the manipulated fake fiat currency of the Federal Reserve. And then I'm also going to push for legislation that we're calling Defend the Guard. And the legislation is going to say that Missouri troop, Missouri National Guard troops will not go to combat situations without a declaration of war from Congress. Now, the National Guard can still uh, help out in efforts in the United States when, you know, there's natural disasters and when there's issues like that. But our National Guard troops will not go to a combat zone or foreign land without a declaration of uh, war from Congress, which they have not done since World War II. Robert, right now the voters in the state of Missouri have other issues that are more pressing, I would argue, than that. Uh, they're having a hard time affording food. Uh, they need, uh, yep. uh, you know, the price of gasoline is up. Diesel fuel is up. Uh, That's on my campaign plank uh, to eliminate the tax gas, uh, the gas tax that we got in a Republican supermajority, might I add you. And that's why I'm pushing sound money to fight inflation. And then we also need to reduce government spending. Um, We got a tax cut uh, here in Missouri during the special session, but there's no talks about reducing spending. So if you're going to cut taxes, which will affect the revenue, what are we going to do about lowering taxes? And for all the Republicans out there, the Republican candidates who are are bashing the, the spending policies of the left, I would like to remind the constituents that the Missouri supermajority of Republicans gobbled up those federal dollars, those borrowed, printed federal dollars, gobbled them up. Every dime that they 
they could. And they actually encourage the bad behavior that that uh, we are actually knocking on when we're pushing against Biden's spending policies. The supermajority in Missouri actually encouraged and participated in that bad behavior. And so we need to start electing people who will take action and help put money in people's pockets uh, during special session. We were actually up there advocating and pushing to get the sales tax on food eliminated. And we got a big enough support that we are confident that in 2023 legislation that we will actually be able to get a lot of groundwork done and hopefully get the sales tax of food eliminated, work on eliminating some other taxes that will help affect all constituents in Missouri and not just special interest. If you just turn the radio on, Robert Smith joins us. He is a libertarian candidate. He's only got one one opponent, and it is a Republican. It's in uh, State Rep- uh, state District 125, uh, and he's telling us what he would like to do. If you've got a question for Robert, uh, give us a call. Do you have a website, Robert? Yes, sir. You can uh, look up my website at showmesmith.com. And then uh, if you want, if you still do Facebook, uh, you can find me at Robert E. Smith Fights for Liberty on Facebook. And we talk about policy. Uh, My main deal is I talk a lot about finances. It's really important to pass on generational wealth to our progeny, but it's hard to pass on generational wealth to our progeny when the government's always taxing us and wasting our money and always wanting more. And so we're looking for ways to help eliminate taxes and give constituents a, a power, uh, an ability or promote the ability for them to save up. And that's one thing I like about sound money and the voluntary commodity currency is we're going to label the gold and silver as a loyal title property so it's untaxable. And then there's also some anti-commandeering laws in there to prevent Missouri constituents from falling victim to a federal uh, uh, gold and silver confiscation, which has happened before. And this loyal title property allows us to store our savings in gold and silver uh, assets and then when we pass on we can pass on our uh, wealth to our uh, progeny or who we choose and that'll also help keep the government fingers out of it all right very quick what do i have brian i got what 30 seconds all right john very quickly ask your question so uh there was legislation underway being uh given to the state about getting doing away with personal property tax. Is that something that's going to be on your radar? Robert, yes, personal ab- property tax. Absolutely. Personal property tax is, is uh, a total... It's, it's, I, I'm against it 100%. You can't own property and then have to pay the government rent and then them come and take it from you forcefully if you don't pay it. You can't call that freedom. Property rights is a cornerstone of freedom. God, I love uh, libertarians. I'm telling you right now, this guy is the guy to elect if you're in that, if you're in 125. Robert Smith, thank you for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me on your show, Gary. All right, showmesmith.com. This is the Gary Nolan Show.